you see the sport at the weekend, Stu? The brilliant sport that all men must like, with England winning in it. It was good, wasn't it? And I go, no, in fact, it filled me with feelings of revulsion and disgust. <laughs> To another episode of Open Us. This is the podcast about openness to new experiences. I'm Professor T, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dr. Toomey. How are you doing this evening, Toomey? Or possibly this afternoon? Depends where you draw the line between evening and afternoon, I suppose. I suppose it does. It is, in fact, to be precise, uh, 5.18. So I think it's a tough one, but I would class it as the evening. So with that said, good evening, Professor T. Good evening, yeah, I think evening is probably more correct, but I think if I were in secondary school and I'd just come home from school, um, I might still think it was the afternoon, but, you know, we're splitting hairs here, really. Yeah, so, but you're no, you're no longer coming home from secondary school now, aren't you not, Fogel? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. That's that's correct. Sorry to use your real name there. <clears throat> that's okay. It's well established at this point, I think. It's not a secret. I'm going to be revealing my surname later in an anecdote, so if you can piece the two together, you can guess my whole name, if you haven't already. Um, okay, so uh, this week, what did we do? We went to see a football match, but before that, how are you getting on? I'm fine, as you can maybe sense, I'm a bit out of my comfort zone because I'm in the corridor. Yes, so if the listener notices a difference in sound quality, it's because Toomey has been banished to the corridor by his fiance, who, <laughs> who banished him. Yes, she said work was more important than the podcast. And I have been murmuring about it all day to myself. <laughs> well, when she can retire on the strength of the success of this podcast, maybe you might remind her about this. I might. I might hold a grudge. No, I won't. She needs to do important work. And therefore, I am in the corridor because it was the only other room in the house with a table. Apologies to the listener for the echo, 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 etc. Yes, we're going to persevere anyway. It wouldn't be the first time we've had sound issues, but our our small but loyal fan base have persevered with us as well. So it doesn't seem to have affected people's enjoyment of the previous episodes. So let's plough ahead, as they say. Plough on. And Professor T, would you like to share anything with the listener before we dive into discussing last week's task? I'd like to share a, a small, uh, a quick story, should I say, um, that happened to me on the same day that we went to the... Shamrock Rovers versus Dundalk match. It, it ha- actually happened after the match, but I think it's better placed at the start of the podcast episode rather than the end of the podcast episode, uh, because later on we'll be finishing up and all that type of stuff. So, um, so after the match, um, I was kind of in the mood to go on a night out, and there was a band playing in the Thomas House. It turned out uh, that they had actually finished playing by the time we got to town, so I said instead, why don't you drop me off in Fibbers, Fibber McGee's on Parnell Street. Uh, there was a ghost tribute band playing, you might remember them from Seven Inches of Satanic Panic and the song Mary on a Cross uh, from a previous episode. Mary on um, a Cross. The very ones, although they didn't play that song, unfortunately. But um, I decided I'd go to Fibber McGee's and naturally in there you kind of get talking to people and you're, you're standing at the gig and whatever, and this very passionate Italian man uh, started talking to me passionately about a number of different topics including music and, and other things and uh, then all of a sudden he challenged me to an arm wrestle and, um, <laughs> I, I, bizarre <laughs> bizarre indeed and I, I don't particularly have strong arms 
um, especially recently. So I haven't been doing any uh, arm workouts or weights or anything like that. So I didn't want to, you know, not accept the challenge and look like a pussy. Um, so <laughs> of course not. The How drunk- could you do that as a thirty-four-year-old man? Exactly. The drunken bravado in me um, decided to accept this challenge. So we found a suitable spot at the side of the bar and we started with our right arm. So my right arm is my bad arm. Uh, I'm left-handed. And I said, okay, I'll lose with this one. Maybe, maybe with the left hand, I'll I'll have a chance of winning. So we got our right arms on the table and we positioned ourselves and somebody else shouted go. And I proceeded to slowly but surely push his arm down onto the table and won the arm wrestling match. And then... He said, here, listen, I'm actually left-handed, so I think we should go again. And I was saying to myself, well, I'm actually left-handed too. And I actually told him I'm actually left-handed too. So uh, we decided we'd go again. So we had an independent adjudicator shout go again. And this time, I fucking throttled him again. (laughs) Beating him on the both hands there. Comprehensive. uh, I think it was some uh, alcohol-fueled adrenaline that I've never experienced before, but I beat him not only with my weak right arm, but with my relatively weak left arm as well. And I was proud as punch, as they say afterwards. And so you're going on to register as an ultimate fighting champion <laughs> competitor. Um, now, he was quite, uh, he was quite uh, decent about it afterwards. He, well, there was no aggressiveness or anything like that. He, he accepted defeat and I gloated in defeat slightly. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting story. It is, it is interesting. That happened. <laughs> the adrenaline that, get, that gets, gets running through your veins in those situations, that you have to win. And the fact yeah. that there was a crowd around it reminds me of a high school type of scene from a movie or something yeah exactly and uh, the second the second arm wrestling match was actually tougher than the first because we were both trying harder but I really really put my all into it and when I got it down on the table you know within the last few seconds when you're actually going to win like there's no turning back for the other guy and I was just yes I fucking did it again there is a bit of primal uh, satisfaction, <laughs> satisfaction if you win an arm wrestle there was uh, two two in a row I think I'll retire now actually I don't think I will uh, enter into any further arm wrestling matches I'll just retire undefeated I think that's um, the best way because you'll always find someone who's better than you and who has the potential to humiliate you in an arm wrestle yes and 95% of people I would have thought um, anyway that's just a, a short anecdote there from the same day same night that we went to the football match but um I think unless there's any further ado that we can actually launch into the task I don't see any ado here so I think it's due to start with the task. Wow. It doesn't really work what I said there, but let's go. No. Okay, so I think you had a brief, uh, uh, um, not a brief, you had a basic structure outlined here about how we'd approach this episode. So we're going to basically both discuss our experiences with football, growing up throughout our lives and uh, just in general, what kind of role football has played in our lives. Now, I've obviously given a clue about my own experience in previous episodes, so I'll start first. Hmm. Um, so as the regular listeners will know uh, I don't watch any sport or I'm not interested in football Uh, this has been somewhat of a social handicap growing up Uh, as I mentioned on the last episode towards the end I did when I was younger try to get into football as I mentioned I collected the Premier League stickers got really into that tried watching match of the day every week for a while I tried watching football I I even uh, like uh, you know with hanging around with our friends when we were younger, I would have played football, I would have played five a side, I would have played a bit of three and in or all that type of stuff, uh, World Cup, these type of games that people play, but I just never really got into it. And it's kind of, as I said, it's been a bit of a, a handicap. Uh, every single taxi I've ever been in that was driven by a man, every time I've got my hair cut by a barber who was between the age of 20 and 50 and they were male and Irish, they want to know what I think of the match or 
how I watch the match, am I going to be watching the match? And they don't want to be let down by my answer. They really want to know like what my opinions are on football. And I inevitably let them down every single time because I don't have any opinions on football. And it's, it's actually quite a handicap to the extent that almost all small talk between males, unless you're in the lift in work and somebody mentions the weather, the second go-to thing is always football. And I have this battle inside me and I, I think to myself, will I tell them I don't like sport at all or will I tell them I just haven't watched the match, I'm not going to watch the match or don't have an opinion. But the problem is, if I go for the latter option, if I say if they say something like, were you watching the match at the weekend? If I say, no, no, they go, ah, you're not a football man. You must be a ga man, are you? And I say, no, no, I'm not a ga man. They say, oh, rugby man then. And I'm, in my head, I'm, coming, I'm saying, stop trying to pigeonhole me as some sort of man uh, with some sort of football or some sort of sport with the appendage of the word man afterwards. But, but that's what people try to do, especially males. They categorize you into one of three broad categories, a rugby man, a ga man, or a football man. And then if I tell them I don't like any of these things and I'm not any of these men, I feel what they want to say next is, what the fuck is wrong with you? But they don't usually say that. They normally say, well, then what are you into? And then, <laughs> in an accusatory way. Yes. And then you're, then you're in an area where you have to validate your existence as a human man who doesn't like sport and who doesn't like rugby and ga and soccer. And you basically have to validate why you exist as a man. Uh, because if you don't like these things, surely you have some fucking explanation <laughs> and, and we require this explanation and, now, and, every, and it better be good every small talk instance you have to validate your existence as a man basically it sounds like pretty much yeah and then there are some people who are really only interested in talking about things like that in a small talk situation so it's as if that's all that's on the table sometimes it's it's sport and then nothing else uh, and it, yeah it could be quite uh it can be quite a letdown for all involved. Erectables. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living this my whole my whole life, but like yeah. it started back in school. Like it started back in in PE. The first time I would have attempted to play football would have been in PE, probably in junior infants, and I was never any good at it, and I was never interested in it. Uh, and it wasn't like something like I wished I was good at. Like I went home and fantasized about coming in and scoring a load of goals the next day. That was never something I even cared about. So. Uh, when it was like came down to selecting the teams, I know this is a ridiculous cliche, but like it was always uh, I was picked last in the year, you know that old cliche. But it's literally exactly what happened to me every single time, unless unless there was somebody who was worse than me. But but uh, yeah, it would be like it would very very rarely happen that there was somebody who was even worse than me. And then and then like when it wasn't just PE, it, would, it was like non formal situations as well. So if you'd be playing a, f- a game of football amongst the lads. Uh, if there were uneven numbers, let's say there were 11 people or something like that, uh, one side would take five and it would have a slightly stronger team. But then they'd be like, but you can have training. And I'd be used as, as a bargaining <laughs> chip for people. So it would be like, we'll take five that are slightly better and you have the slightly worse five, but you can have trainer. But everybody knew that trainer was shit and wasn't going to add anything. But it was just kind of, they couldn't address that. So they had to pretend like having the sixth person, me, who was inevitably last to be considered, was some sort of advantage for the other team when I was actually probably a hindrance rather than anything. Um, so yeah, 
that's that's a brief history of my experience with football. I could go on and on. In fact, we could do an entire episode about this, but I think that's probably enough to give the listener a good uh, insight into my life as a person who doesn't like football. Okay, very good. And uh, yeah, I could ask you question after question about that and delve into it a bit more, but in the interest of time, we might uh, press on. And uh, I just remind the listener that this week's task was to go to a football match. So for you, this was a massive deal of, of someone who has absolutely no interest in football and has been c- castigated is that the right word chastised Ch- I think um, both are probably correct is the first one even a word castigated is, is that a word De- it's definitely a word yeah okay I vilified 100% I'll tell you what it means but. you were vilified throughout your life for not liking football um, and uh, will I just do a brief history of my football uh, relationship I think you should yeah go ahead okay um so I'll go into a bit of a soliloquy here, um, <laughs> and hopefully the listener will uh, stay with me. Um, so um, I, I've always liked football. I've played football since I was young, um, and I focus just on uh, soccer, shall we say, because I play Gaelic football as well, and that's a whole other thing. I have my own complex relationship with that. Yeah, well, um, that's a special episode for you, I think. That's, a special, that's the next sport episode, is my relationship with Gaelic football. But anyway, focusing on soccer, I uh, played it on the road when I was young. We, I used to play every day for hours, uh, like two aside or three aside. That was the, Those were the days when, in the 1980s and the 1990s, when people used to actually play football on the road. And um, I was a huge uh, Man United fan. But the first team I ever supported was Leeds United because um, I liked their kit, which was a, a silly reason. Um, so I, sport, <laughs> I supported Leeds United for about a year. I, I didn't really have a clue what was going on. Um, but I, I liked that they won. <laughs> they were the champions, so that was probably why I cho- chose them. And I remember going in in uh, senior infants and boasting to people that Leagues United won the league because I thought they were <laughs> called Leagues <laughs> I thought they were called Leagues United, and someone told me they're Leeds, you dope. And I said, no, they're Leagues. Do you remember um, who the person was who said that to you? Uh, it, it might have been Ross. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you're listening, Ross. I didn't mean to impersonate you there, but I think actually it was Ross. <laughs> um, so I, I changed shortly after that from Leagues United because they went shite. They won the league and then they, they turned shite. So I was a glory hunter from the start and I changed over to Man United, um, maybe about the age of six. And I got really into Man United and I supported them and watched all their games. I used to get really upset if they lost. Um, I remember when they won the treble in 1999 and uh, in the final of the Champions League where when they got two, a last minute equaliser and a last minute winner to win the match. I remember dancing around my living room. Um, right. And <laughs> Uh, in a huge amount of joy and uh, very strong connection to it. Um, but over um, yeah, a tradition that you still observe to this day. Do I? <laughs> oh, I'm only joking. No. <laughs> yeah, so that brings us on to uh, how that changed. So over time, I think what happened with my relationship with football is that uh, more and more money went into the Premier League and I felt that the identity of the individual clubs uh, went down the swanee. Don't know why I threw that in, but uh, it seemed to fit. Um, so Man United lost all their kind of local players. They lost their the manager that had been there for a long time, Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And 
they brought in shite players. The quality, the quality of the the football went down, and uh, they the players playing for Man United now. They might as well be players playing for any club because there's no sense of connection or identity of Man United in that club. So I've completely drifted away from caring about Man United, and I've even like. Um, been more interested in the narrative of Arsenal in recent years because they had uh, Arsene Wenger uh, so I was always interested in his kind of story he was there for 25 years as their manager um, so uh, yeah I've sort of drifted away from football since the uh, the money came into it and all along this time I completely ignored the League of Ireland football the football on my doorstep that maybe could have given me that connection that I'm now looking for because uh, I used to have it with Man United but I don't have it anymore and um, but I, I looked down my nose at League of Ireland football because the the pitches were shite uh, the best players were always playing in England and abroad and uh, when I watched it it was always long ball football uh, which is not pleasant to watch um, but I've I've noticed that the League of Ireland football, the league, the, the quality has gotten a lot better over the last few years, and they've switched to to summer football, better pitches, uh, better style of playing. Um, yeah, so so this task was about going to see a League of Ireland football match, which for something is for me, I've I've been to one before. I was just kind of years ago. I just kind of went as a on a random Friday, but the, but I've never actually given League of Ireland a chance. Um, so that's why we decided, well, why I decided to go along with the task to go to Shamrock Rovers in Tala Stadium versus Dundalk. Um, so it was me opening myself up to League of Ireland football. And then for you, I think it was le- opening yourself up to football in general. Right you are. Right you are. Right you be. Yes, right to be. Uh, yes, exactly. And it was nice to hear your uh, experience, your kind of uh, up and down relationship with football over the years. And maybe it's on the ascendancy again. Let's develop that point as we delve into the actual task itself, watching the Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk match uh, last Friday. So, um, one thing you, no- you pointed out there, and which I noticed immediately, was um, when we actually arrived at the grounds... I was expecting some shite pitch as well. So <laughs> for people who are local to the Cabinteely area, I was expecting something like Kilboggett Park. I don't know why, um, <laughs> but, but that's what I was thinking. Like people standing around expecting... the side of the pitch type of thing. I that's I like I, I kind of pictured that, but I, I probably knew that that wasn't right. But I'd say at best I pictured some half-assed attempt at tiered seating in a... Certainly not anything that looked like Tala Stadium, like what we arrived at. Um, but when I got there, I saw a professional, almost state-of-the-art, uh, mid-sized stadium. And I was really, really impressed with the quality of the pitch. The grass was in excellent condition and everything. It just looked professional and clean and new and very much so like something you'd see on television. Do you know what, do you know what it was, surprisingly? It was pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> it was I, I remember very you pleasant. used that word at the time. Yeah, the the pitch was in very good condition. I'm I'm glad that you noticed that as a non football fan because that makes a big difference. Like the quality of the pitch, it was like a carpet. Um, yeah, was... and I, I just a, a quick point as well. I remember years ago watching watching match of the day, and the odd time you'd see some clips of Division One on television. I don't know what you'd see them on. Maybe some weekend sports show. And I always remember Division One pitches looking shit at the time. Now this is going back into the mid nineties, <laughs> but I always remembered it decline in quality between the Premier League pitches and the Division 1 pitches at the time and you'd be kind of looking at it going Jesus that's shit (laughs) I don't don't care about the Premier League but I definitely don't care about this so uh, I was kind of 
expecting that type of quality of pitch to step down from the yeah, and it makes uh, anything but yeah, and I, I've played a bit of football myself, and it makes a massive difference the the quality of the pitch. Like most people who play casually, just in Ireland, uh, play on shite pitches that are overgrown or mucky or waterlogged, um, and that leads to shite football. Um, uh, so, so some of the countries with the best pitches, like Germany and Holland, and they they just have developed a philosophy that allows you to play a bit better football, like keeping it on the like passing it along the ground rather than long ball. Anyway, but anyway, I digress. Um, so going going back to uh, Tata Stadium. So we should probably mention that I had us late. Yes, you did have us late. I wasn't going to mention that, but go on. I feel we should. Uh, I apologise for that. I had us twenty minutes late for the match, and. Uh, the reason was I had Googled the, the kickoff time and it was at 8. I, I, the result that came back to me on Google was 8 p.m. So if you even listen back to last week's podcast, you'll hear me reference that the match is starting at 8 p.m. And so I, I kind of made a timetable in my head <clears throat> to be there at 8 p.m. And uh, I had us there at about five past eight. But unfortunately, the match had started at quarter to eight. So our first match, all due to my mistake, mm. I had had you, me, yeah. and my brother twenty minutes late, which was a costly mistake because we I missed. Was... Sorry, I think it was slightly after ten past. No, it was slightly after ten past. <laughs> so I give myself too much credit. There. Yes. So I had us ten minutes late. Yeah, you're giving yourself extra. <laughs> yeah. Rather than uh, than the half an hour late we were. Um, so I yeah uh, that was uh, caused a bit of uh, discomfort for everyone involved I would say, um, and we missed a wonder. Well, goal. what happened was, yeah, we we missed two goals. So we missed a goal from Dundalk and from Shamrock Rovers, and a few of the lads in work who were kind of excited about the fact that I was going to a football match because it's so out of the ordinary. Uh, they were asking me about questions about this wonder goal. <laughs> uh, did I, did you see that goal? Did you see that goal by Dundalk? And uh, I had to say no I didn't see it because we were late <laughs> oh god I'm sorry uh, yeah it's been talked about all over the world uh, the call for Dundalk yeah. it's from a corner and he somehow um, volleyed it I, with his yeah. left foot with his foot I've going above it, his head it was a wonder goal <laughs> uh, in so, my humble opinion yeah it was a wonder wonder risk goal no anyway uh, <laughs> no uh, it's fine. It's it's fine. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I just want to acknowledge that. And then um, when we got there, the other thing about when we were arriving is I noticed how friendly the stewards were. The like getting us into our seats and stuff. They wanted to have a bit of banter, but I don't really do banter. I can't think of responses quick enough usually with people I don't know, and uh, so I usually just do a smile. <laughs> you know that kind of awkward smile. Yeah. Because yes, do. They uh, want you to banter back, shall we say? But I don't have the bants. Yeah, you don't have it in storage. That's all right. Don't you know, not storage. everybody does. Uh, but yeah, it's, the, it's there a was lot book. to ask, really. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Uh, some people are good at it. Some people aren't. Um, but when we arrived, um, it was unassigned seating. That was another kind of interesting issue, and that was, we were late, so we were flustered. We were looking around for the seats. So that was kind, kind of, of like that time you ran for a train in Japan and uh, <laughs> you were, uh, yeah. for seats. Yeah. A pattern of lateness. 
Um, but yeah, we got settled down and we noticed the environment and the pitch. And so what else were you thinking at this kind of stage when we were getting like settled in and started to watch the match? Yeah, I was thinking that eventually one of the stewards led us to the front of the stadium where there were a few seats free. So I thought we did well there. But it turned out actually later on when we sat in higher up seats that the perspective was a lot better but you do initially kind of think oh we're at the front this is pretty good but yeah i thought it was a professional setup and it was very well organized there were no con- there was no confusion about where we were supposed to walk in or where we were supposed to go um and very quickly one of the stewards spotted that we didn't have seats that we were looking for seats and led us down to an area where there were three free seats so i thought it was yeah very well organized and very welcoming like you said yeah i completely agree with that and then as we watched the the match what were your your kind of thoughts watching the rest of that first half do you know what stood out to me immediately um the number of headers that i saw i, I noticed people seem to head the ball quite a lot and m- way more than i would have expected and i was wondering actually is um do concussions play a part in football much as I'd say, with the velocity of some of those balls going towards your head, no, uh, insert your own joke there, um, that there could be serious head injuries or concussions uh, just by the speed of the actual force, the speed and the force of the football. Well, uh, it reminds me of Chris Benoit, the wrestler, who is... His, That's what uh, I was thinking of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably have a better explanation of what happened to him, but the, the whole thing was he got repeated damage to his head. Um, from his wasn't it one of his special moves in WWE? Yeah, yeah, it's a diving headbutt. Diving off, 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 headbutt. It happens. <laughs> diving it's headbutt. ridiculous. What was he doing? <laughs> I don't know, uh, but uh, no, it happens to a lot of wrestlers, yeah. and I know it happens to American football stars as well because it's the brain hitting off the skull rather than the skull hitting off someone else's skull. So the the conclusions that have been drawn recently were even if you're wearing a helmet it's the force of your brain hitting your skull that causes the concussion so the helmet doesn't protect you as much as people would have thought it did in the past so i was just wondering is if it's a big thing in football i just noticed the sorry to go back to that yeah i've noticed a lot of a lot of schools primary schools have actually banned heading recently in recent weeks um right. so it seems seems to be a topic now i don't think there's any cases or, or there aren't many cases of, of people who've had brain damage from heading. But I think people are becoming a lot more aware of the repeated kind of like impact on your brain, on your skull from heading the ball, uh, especially those heavy balls that are that are wet. Um, and heavy, wet balls. Yeah. Heavy, wet balls. <laughs> um, and also, when you think about it repeatedly, if you're doing this in training, you're doing it in matches and you could be doing it for like over 20 years. Um, so there is a potential, logically, I would say, for some brain damage to be done from heading the ball. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing I noticed was the chanting, obviously, uh, the singing of the crowd. Initially, it was Dundalk who were doing all the singing, but um, the home crowd picked up, not on the stand that we were at, but the stand to the left of us. Um, but uh, yeah, I heard some classics in there, like the old... Um, uh, Fucking what's it called? I know the song is Super Tramp. The logical song. Well, who was the Scooter? Is the more commonly known version in uh, Ireland because of the dance version of the song that was out in the early two thousands. But uh, <laughs> that was one of them that featured. Um, then I did hear a You Fat Bastard chant at one point, which I was surprised to hear in twenty twenty. But uh, there it was, uh, <laughs> wearing its ugly head. I can't. I can't remember who they were chanting that at, but I made a mental note. But uh, yeah, overall, the buzz was was really good, and uh, they had a, a mascot for Shamrock Rovers who looked to me like a kind of a Buzz Lightyear type 
uh, character um, <laughs> dancing up and down the sideline uh, motivating the crowd so I was wondering to myself does this character get paid for doing that uh, would you know the answer to that I would only be guessing but one would assume he is he or she he or she or the other option would be they're doing it out of they, they enjoy it so much that they're doing it for free maybe or maybe it's good experience like it's a stepping stone for a further career in mascotting shall we shall we say yeah? possibly maybe it's, it'll be down as the third line under CV maybe in a few years time perhaps perhaps and uh, I, so my first impression when we got there was just getting into the football and there's a couple of players that stood out to me immediately um, and one of them was the number two for, for Dundalk I think his name is Gannon was his second name and I was just I think I remarked on him at the time uh, he he just seemed to have a physique that was uh, susceptible or made or facilitated shall I say good football in that he was very skinny <laughs> um, um, very little body mass and that seemed to be allow him to twist and turn and and manipulate the ball just because of his body size and his body t- type I thought like he he could be very he could make a lot or he could make a lot of ground in short spaces he could like control the ball in short spaces and I thought that was maybe maybe my own bias I thought to myself that's a great physique for football I don't know if you would have noticed that as being someone he, he stood out to me as well as the only player really who stood out to me because I, I remember when you remarked him at the time yeah, and I was I was noticing his play as well he seemed to be very skillful and just always always where the ball was yeah and Ross told me later that he'd won a number of League of Ireland titles um, so he's a very experienced player and a very good player the other guy that stood out to me from Dundalk was the, <laughs> this is ridiculous the, the guy with the, the man bun <laughs> oh yeah this blonde guy with a with a man bun and I think just because he had that haircut and he stood out I assumed he'd be really good yeah no he, d- he did a lot of dives he did a few dives I thought he was very good in the first half I thought he, he had some good touches and I, I said it to Ross at half time when we met Ross I said uh, geez, he's a good player at the number 10 <laughs> but then in the second half he faded badly and uh, I just realised that I was completely biased towards his ability because he stood out um, anyway fair enough yeah you were looking for something in the in the team to, to hang your hat on and you did it on his man bun I did it on the man I thought yeah someone with that confident devil of confidence to have a man bun and a blonde head of hair like that <laughs> he's probably good uh, but if he had a normal haircut, I wouldn't have noticed him as a player at all. Anyway, that's just a complete nonsense, really. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I enjoyed the first half. I enjoyed the quality of the play. I thought there was good passing. And the atmosphere was really good, as you remarked on. And then, I suppose, it we, we came into halftime. Well, yeah, one thing I noticed as well was the passing. I thought Dundalk were excellent at passing. It was very fluid. And I thought Shamrock Rovers weren't nearly as good at passing. I, maybe they don't do much pass training in their their training um, or whatever but I thought when Dundalk were in possession of the ball and they were passing amongst one another I thought it was like slick a slick operation but uh, I didn't think Shamrock Rovers had the same quality there I agree with that and I think I think Dundalk had more players who were comfortable with the ball overall across the whole team whereas with Shamrock Rovers it seemed like they had two or three players who were very comfortable with the ball and the rest were maybe inclined to just hit it down the line or hit it over the like chip it forward or whatever um, yeah, yeah. And what's, your, what's the name of your man that scored who's a really good guy for Shamrock Rovers what's his name oh what's his name 
Byrne, Jack Byrne, thank you. I don't know why I'm thanking myself. <laughs> I just uh, thanked myself there. But yeah, Jack Byrne, he's a class above everyone on the pitch, I thought. And he's a brilliant player and he's really comfortable on the ball. So that, that's something I noticed as the match went on. Yeah. Right you are. Right you um, are. So uh, we came to half time then and uh, I decided I was starving because I hadn't had any dinner. So um, I... Uh, wanted to go get some chips the, the smell of curry chips had been permeating the stand uh, for the entire half and I was determined to go get some curry chips but then when I walked around to the van which was dispensing the curry chips I realised that the queue was about 800 people long so uh, I dispensed with my plan to get curry chips at that point and uh, I decided to go to the other van which wasn't nearly as popular which was selling chocolate and crisps and, uh, and hot drinks and in the spirit of openness and trying new things uh, for the first ever time and possibly the last ever time in my life I decided to get a Bovril a Bovril what a Bovril a... Uh, which for what an for interesting choice who doesn't know what that is yeah so for maybe our international listeners uh, a Bovril drink is a it's a thick dark coloured paste uh, served in a, it's in a, in a small little jar and uh, you put a spoonful of this paste into a cup and then you fill it with hot water and it's beef flavoured so it's like almost like just thick beef extract in a jar and you dilute this beef extract with water and you have yourself a hot beef drink um, sounds absolutely it revolting quite, yeah it's, it's not too different from just beef stock so basically you're just drinking stock <laughs> diluted stock and my father was was very much into Bovril for many many years, and he'd have it every uh, every Saturday, and he'd always try to get me and my brother to drink Bovril, and uh, I think I must have developed an aversion to it uh, because it, it it sparks a bit of anxiety when <laughs> I see a, 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 a container of Bovril. Uh, but what what Fair would you enough. give it out of ten for taste? I would give it one out of ten. <laughs> One out of ten. It wasn't nice. Um, and another thing as well is that uh, it like I mean the only thing sorry is that it did keep me kind of feeling warm, but it, each time I had to sacrifice a bit of my soul to feel yeah. warm. I mean, drink it, but I did drink it all. It's a diluted paste. <laughs> it reminds me of you describing uh, the cranberry sauce. I think you got described as a gelatinous paste. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say, do you know what it is? So you, you said your dad likes to drink it, and I'd say it's one of these old timey things that people think is good for you because it's old timey and old fashioned, but probably isn't actually good for you one iota, but has a reputation like Horlicks or something. I don't know. Yeah, my dad actually but, stopped drinking it about 10 years ago, and I, I never really understood. Well, I never really questioned him why, uh, but it, the Barvel just didn't appear anymore. So there must have been something. You have to question him now. I will. I'll ask him and report back next week. For the Barville episode. Excellent. Right. Heights. Heights. Heidenreich. Okay. Uh, second half. Second half. <clears throat> second half. We found Ross. We went up to seats at the back. Uh, we had a much better view up there. Um, we could see. It was just a lovely, pleasant view with the, the green of the, the grass. And you could see the, the stands on the other side. And the atmosphere of the, the players. And the quality again was was very good and the match got very exciting as it went on it was a very tense match very even match and there was a lot of goals in it as well it was 3-2 was the final yeah score. yeah i have to say i got quite caught up in it um in the second half and i was um 
I didn't know any of the lyrics of any of the songs, but if I had known them, I would have sung along. But also, just the the actual anticipation of goals, I got quite caught up in, and it wasn't something I really expected to happen, but it did. And it was it wasn't false in any way. I was genuinely caught up in what was going on, and when the goals happened, I was caught up in the moment when they were happening. So and cheering, uh, cheering for Shamrock Rovers because we were in that area of the the stands. Um, yeah, I got I got really into it too, and but it, but for me it's probably not as as surprising for me to get into it as a football fan. But it, it is surprising that you got into it, and what what do you put that down to compared to say Premier League or whatever other football you've been exposed to? Uh, I don't know. I've never been to a Premier League match. In fact, the only other match I've actually ever been to that wasn't like a school match or watching one of the lads go play football on a Saturday is is an Ireland match in Prague, I think, in two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight. That was boring. That was a friendly, and it was one nil, I think, to Ireland. Um, There's a photograph of you at that match. Yeah, I was uh, horrifically hungover. In fact, we might put the photograph up on uh, Facebook. Yeah, because um, <laughs> it's an excellent photograph. It depicts me as a football fan. It's better than I can ever describe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry, but I, I don't know what I put it down to. So I've never, I've never been to a Premier League match. But I think it was just the general atmosphere, the singing, the crowd, the anticipation in the air, and it was just. Um, a kind of an intangible excitement in the air that is, is hard not to get sucked into. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. And I think as well, there's something about it being a local thing, like it's Irish. And we maybe got a similar buzz from watching local wrestling in the last few years. Like there's just that, that different buzz you get from local scene entertainment than, say, uh, the more polished sort of corporate entertainment that you see in bigger stadiums and, and things like that. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, no, it seemed authentic. Authentic, yes. Um, and sort of like, yeah, in touch with the community, I'd say. There was a, there was a real connection between the Rovers fans and, their, and the players um, and, and likewise for, for Dundalk. So I think there's a, there's a different type of buzz for, for local sport, um, which reminds me of, of how I've lost uh, that connection myself with um, uh, Man United and English sport because it's, it's just... Uh, it's just a bit far, far removed from meaning, in in my opinion. Um, so I, so on reflection for myself, I think I really enjoyed it. I was really pleasantly surprised with the quality of the play. I was really, really impressed by Jack Byrne and his skills and his goals in particular. And what what really stood out for me is how enjoyable the whole experience was and how comfortable it was. And yeah, I I I would definitely go again. Uh, how how would you kind of reflect on the 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 whole thing? I would say that I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it more than I expected to. But maybe to to use the wrestling example again because it's all I've got. But like I brought, for example, the likes of Mark along to an OTT show, a friend of ours, um, and he yeah. really enjoyed it. But I doubt the next day he was looking up the OTT Facebook page or looking up their website to see if there were any future events on that he yeah. might attend. But in the moment, he enjoyed it, and that that was my level of enjoyment. I wouldn't rule out going to another match, but. I haven't kept up with what Shamrock Rovers are doing on Twitter or anything like that uh, since the match. But as a stand a standalone event, I did enjoy it. And maybe in the future, as a, a future standalone event, I would. It's not going to make me into a football fan, if that's what you're asking. But I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And it was a well worthwhile event. Brilliant. Okay. So, overall, I really enjoyed the task. And... Uh, I've certainly been opened up to uh, League of Ireland football. I've a, have a lot more respect for it, um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to going again. Absolutely, very good. Okay, so maybe before we go, let's just 
uh, quickly talk about what next week's task is. And of course, next week's task is Dr. Toomey. Oh, <laughs> next week's task is, of course, opening our minds up to new forms of entertainment new forms of entertainment that we were close-minded to or maybe had derogatory thoughts towards or looked down okay. our nose on. Sorry. Professor T, will you reveal to the listener what it's about? Yes. So we've gone for the visual entertainment, uh, so the televisual in, in particular. <laughs> sorry sorry for being an arsehole. Uh, so we are going to watch uh, a new movie or film as i prefer to say uh, a new reality tv show and a new netflix uh fictional show so like um, not a documentary but a fiction based show on netflix so uh, can i add a qualifier in for the film or the movie uh, i i think it like i mean any of us and either of us could go and watch any old film and there's eight billion different films to choose from i think maybe at one point we discussed watching a classic film and what i think we should do is Watch a film that we're close-minded to that we never thought we would watch. So not something that you really want to watch, like Citizen Kane or something, but something you never think you would watch or enjoy. But it should be a classic film or something that's regarded as a classic film. Hmm, interesting. Yes, maybe a, a really well-known film that we've always uh, secretly thought was shite or that we'd have no interest in. Yes, because I think if you broaden it to all films, like any of us could watch anything and it's just, I think it's just too broad yeah you could say oh I'll pick that one uh, that Oscar nominated movie I, I never would have watched that before uh, but maybe it's better to like an example would be Pretty Woman now we've both probably seen that but that that might be something I could imagine myself having a derogatory uh, attitude towards that's an excellent example and that's that's exactly what I'm talking about so something like that maybe something like it's a chick flick or it's like a, I don't know like the English patient or something I don't know yeah <laughs> or something with Richard Gere <laughs> really get into Richard Gere or something basically that you know is shit yeah. <laughs> so that's the approach an approach and with an open be, mind yeah so that should be the approach for the other two as well so it's going to be a reality TV show you, you're not, you don't need to watch a whole season but one or two episodes and also something on Netflix where everyone's raving about it maybe and you're like well I know that shit so I don't need to watch it but let's let's go for one of each of all of those three categories and report back next week on how we get on absolutely and I am enlisting the help of my fiance Liz to help me come up with the ideas so I'm going to ask her to come up with the ideas that she thinks that I'd be particularly close minded to so if you have anyone you could ask, maybe you could consider that too. And the listeners could maybe do that too if they wanted. Yes, I might I might go down that route myself actually as well. Okay, but uh, that is the task for next week. Um, and that's going to finish it for this week. So I've been Professor T. He's been Dr. Toomey. This has been Open Us. And any final words, Dr. Toomey? Stay open. If you'd like to contact us on social media ahead of next week's task, search for us on Twitter. It's at Open Us Podcast. On Facebook, it's also Open Us Podcast. On Instagram, it's Open Us Podcast. And via email, it's Open Us Podcast at gmail.com.
Something basically that you know is it reminds shit. me of you describing uh, the cranberry sauce. Something basically that you know is shit. Cranberry sauce. Something basically that you know is shit. Cranberry sauce. Shit. That you know is shit. Cranberry sauce. Something basically. Something basically. Something basically. Something basically. Something basically that you know is shit. Cranberry sauce. Something basically that you know is shit. Describing the cranberry sauce.